GM, November 7th. That is today. It's me, Garrett, here. What's up, Big G? Not too much. How are you doing? I'm good. Actually, I'm really great because... You feel like... Yeah? Oh, do you feel like we're bullish again or are we bearish? What are we today? It's so uh, over? So oh, back. no. We're, yeah, we're back and bull market's already started. People just don't know it yet. <laughs> That's the Tuesday morning caffeine jolt I need to wake up. Exactly. Exactly. Can we talk about your morning schedule? Because I was a little bit surprised like this. So for anybody that doesn't know, um, you know, I wake up at a like relatively decent time at like seven in the morning, uh, you know, when my kids get up. Uh, but Garrett over here, I didn't know this. He told me this the other day. He wakes up at 430 every single day. Well, it depends quite a bit. This morning was actually 1 a.m., but that's because I was dog sitting. <laughs> are you like working? Then, on, are you like working on Asian time or something? <laughs> no, but I do think the like nexus of like when crypto activity is is from like roughly maybe like 11 to p.m. to midnight my time all the way through like maybe 3 p.m. I feel like if you look at Ethereum gas fees, also they tend to like spike. Uh, around the same time so it's nice being awake when like the bulk of the crypto world's awake you're like waiting you're like waiting until the middle of the night and so you can make your cheap eth transactions because it is quite expensive to use curve <laughs> it is it is, it is. that's a, a big downside i uh i like to larp like i'm a whale uh, but i can't afford to use curve <laughs> i still i still use it on mainnet just to pretend but it's uh, I know, I know. It was nice. I it, it curve was great when it was like one, two Gwei transactions, but even at nineteen, it's it's kind of expensive. Well, you know what's funny is like one of the earlier articles I wrote. This is like way back when during the bull market. I just took a look at like um, activity on curve and the effect that gas fees had on it, and I expected, of course, right? You would expect that like when gas fees go up, usage goes down. But I found the opposite. Like when gas fees went up, there was like more FOMO and more people like, I guess like, you know, that's when like prices were really high. So like everyone's in the speculative frenzy. Uh, and then the big thing was whales just don't care about gas, right? Like if you're someone like Mitch, you know, you don't care about paying 50 guay for gas versus five guay. It doesn't really matter. Like it's such a small amount when you're moving millions of dollars. It's only poor people like me that, you know, need to get pushed onto the L2 ghettos. But we're not... We're not going to be poor forever because today is the Prisma Finance airdrop going out to all the VECRV holders. Oh, I Garrett, you're muted. Um, so does it, that include you? Did you uh, vote to whitelist Prisma? Well, I am a convex and a fractures holder. So by proxy, I received something. Excellent, excellent. So, what are you going to do with this uh, this new uh, newfound bounty? Well, it's locked for twenty six weeks, uh, or you go through Convex and you can get a liquid staking token, or urine, or urine as well too. Yeah, let's not forget about urine. Um, I think the it's it's really interesting because the more I've been looking into Prisma, uh, it seems that they've solved a lot of the issues that have been plaguing liquidity so as we reported uh i believe 10 days ago two weeks ago uh, liquidity has been under a lot of stress because the system is not able to regulate any sort of interest rate and so if you if you borrow from liquidity uh, they charge you a fixed fee and i believe that's it 
and uh, there might be like one percent of interest as well too that is charged but it's really cheap to borrow from from liquidity and so a lot of people have just been taking their funds to liquidity minting lusd and then dumping it into the pool which has been driving the price below a dollar and when it goes below a dollar Arbitragers can come in, buy that cheap LUSD, and then immediately redeem it for the troves that have the uh, lowest collateral uh, ratio. And so yesterday, I was in the Frax chat talking about it with Mitch, and uh, I had said that the collateral ratio troves with uh, above 200% uh, have been redeemed recently. And then Mitch went off, found a Dune dashboard, came back, showed it to us, and said that no. Yesterday, we're starting to see redemptions upwards of 240%. I believe 244 was the max. That's crazy. So if you if you had $25,000 worth of, of uh, ETH and then deposited it into the liquidity contracts, borrowed $10,000, you're, you're at risk of getting redeemed. Now, that's not being liquidated because when you're redeemed, there's no loss to whatever you're doing. But it does close your trove and you do lose a portion of your ETH. So it's, it's, I'd say it's under stress because these high interest rates that you can get elsewhere through like DAI or sorry, SDI or SFRAX, uh, make it a really easy target to go after, uh, to be able to, uh, either, either borrow and or redeem against. Yeah, absolutely. And if you actually look at the numbers, uh, Liquidies just had a brutal month. So yeah, there's not too many stable coins left with over $100 million. According to DeFi Llama, there's just uh, uh, 16 of the honor. Uh, of those, if you look at the biggest decliners in the past month, uh, for some reason, Gemini has been uh, hemorrhaging money. So Gemini is down 26%. Uh, Binance USD is down 14%, which is not a surprise because Binance USD is being phased out. Uh, but just narrowly behind that, Liquidity's lost uh, 12.5% over the past month. Um, in contrast, like a number wow. of other stable coins have actually been up slightly. Like USDC is not up, it's down only 5%, but USDC has been you know, having some trouble lately. Uh, Tether's USDT is up 3%, in fact. Uh, Frax is holding steady. Uh, Curve USD has been uh, been somewhat gaining a uh, little bit of ground. It just hit new all-time highs lately. Uh, PayPal USD is the one of the biggest winners uh, with a fifty percent uh, up to one hundred fourteen million. Yeah, so people have been transferring out of BUSD into first digital USD, which is Binance's new stablecoin that they're using. Uh, additionally, there's PayPal as well. Uh, and then MKUSD, which has seen 500% growth over the last 30 days. And MKUSD is the stablecoin for Prisma, which Prisma is a liquidity style fork. Uh, but I think they've solved some of the issues. And we're going to talk about this today. But let's talk about the airdrop first. Uh, you covered this on your uh, wonderful blog that I'm sure everybody that's subscribed here uh, is already following. And that's your. Uh, uh, curve cap log curve.substack.com subscribe uh, it makes a great christmas gift <laughs> exactly let's pull that up so your latest article uh, which was from yesterday it's called airdrop season and it's about this uh, airdrop that went out for prisma so what's the yeah so prisma has been uh been let me just say like they've been 
really handling their tokenomics very, very well. So like we've seen like this kind of art of how like how to launch a protocol get perfected somewhat. And I think Prisma is like really like uh, really like synthesized all the lessons from it to fuel what was a very successful launch. Now, um, now of course, like if you're following Prisma, like there was an initial like frenzy of action. The token price, like as speculators hopped on board, like went up to like a crazy. Uh, I think it peaked at like eight dollars before like uh, the speculative frenzy died down, which gave it a like FDV market cap of three billion dollars which is a little bit like crazy. It's since settled in back closer to a dollar, which put it, puts it like closer to the range of where you might expect. Um, but one of the things that they've been really doing is um, giving out these airdrops, which are claimable, but they, uh, so so there's like three different airdrops, at least um, I'm familiar with. There's like the investors were the first, uh, and full disclosure, I'm one of the early investors. So I was able to like, basically have Prisma before anyone else. Um, for the early investors, they started accruing Prisma, um, which they could immediately dump if they wanted, or they had an option to turbo claim 5% upfront and immediately lock it as VE Prisma. Uh, so VE Prisma uh, also has some like interesting innovations on top of it, but a lot of the big investors did just this. Tetranode reported on Twitter uh, that he was going to be locking all of his Prisma. Um, so a lot of the early investors like basically got their Prisma uh, when it was at this all-time high price and still like chose to lock it. Um, if they didn't lock it, liquidity was fairly thin on chain. There was a curve pool, but didn't have a whole ton in the way of volume or mm -hmm. um, or liquidity that had been preceded into it. So that was like the kind of first wave of Prisma's launch was just the investors kind of getting their, their heyday. Uh, then came the launch which happened i think yesterday where anyone who had voted to whitelist prisma uh received their airdrop um so anyone that voted on curve to whitelist prisma received uh very similar mechanics where they could claim prisma directly and have it locked as ve prisma or they could claim it directly through convex or yearn as their um as their wrapped version so the wrapped version there have been two pools seated on Curve for both the uh, Y Prisma and CVX Prisma, but there's like about a thousand dollars worth of liquidity there, so it's not like it's super liquid. Uh, we'll have to see what happens with it. Like we know that uh, Convex has like worked really hard to keep to it. It, it, it the CVX Prisma works somewhat similarly uh, to. Uh, CVX CRV, where it's a very strong peg one direction and convex works uh, through its incentives to maintain the peg the other direction. Uh, we don't yet know a lot about like exactly how convex is going to be doing it, but it is not the worst speculative gamble if you were late to the airdrop to like buy up uh, CVX Prisma if it goes below peg or Y Prisma if it goes below peg, presuming that both protocols are going to be working to keep those peg, uh, that peg fairly strong and um, resolute. Yeah. So, so just to hop in there, uh, if anybody doesn't know the history, so Convex kind of learned these lessons from the CRV uh, that was locked up as CVX CRV. Uh, the peg actually, how low did the peg go for CVX CRV? At, at I believe uh, as low as like in the 80s, maybe 70s. So it was off by like 20 to 30%. And through refining their incentive programs, they were able to pretty much bring it back in line, which is pretty incredible. Um, and they've been able to keep it there ever since. So the CVX Prisma uh, convex token should probably keep within a percentage or two of the of the peg once it's released. 
Yeah, I'm looking at DeFiWars.xyz, which is um, its own funny story. It almost got uh, it almost got shut down uh, until C2TB stepped up and gave them a big donation, as did some other people in the community. Uh, according to DeFi Wars, the lowest the peg ever got was 82%. Mm. So that uh, if you're good enough to buy the dip there, like you got 20% bonus on uh, on your purchase of Curve there. Wow. Yeah, that's that's pretty incredible. I think the uh, like the this Prisma comes at a time when we've seen multiple rounds of both convex CRV uh, releases. Convex now has several projects inside its its stable. Uh, they have Curve, Frax, F of X, and Prisma. So uh, this probably should go pretty pretty smoothly with this rollout. Yeah, if you look at the Convex front page, they updated it to basically show the amount of governance power that they have over all these different ecosystems. And uh, like Convex is like doing pretty great. They have like about half of Curve, I think like 30% of Frax. Um, uh, you can find that, yeah, right there. If you, I don't know if people can see that. And then uh, with Prisma and uh, Protocol FX, both of these are like smaller protocols that are really strong potential, really big up and comers. And those they have like majority ownership of, yeah, 60 to 65%. And as John K points out in the comments, like one of the interesting things about the way that uh, VE Prisma is structured is that uh, they have like a few interesting locking mechanisms that they built atop the VECRV model. Uh, one is like an early claim mechanism. So if you want to rage quit, you can rage quit uh, at any time after I think one week. Uh, it's just subject to a very heavy, hefty penalty. So you'll like only get uh, 10 or 50% of the tokens. I forget what the final uh, number is if you rage quit. Or alternately, if you want to permalock, you can set it to lock in perpetuity and automatically relock each week so that you don't have the linear depreciation that you have with Curve. So there's more flexible options for people who want out or who like are hardcore committed. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I've heard as the biggest criticism of the VE system is that the illiquidity is both a, a blessing and a curse at the same time, where it's great to keep people from selling, but also it keeps people from selling. <laughs> and so, yeah, uh, and you could you could really see that all aspects of this drop were basically designed to reward people to not sell. And you know, Prisma obviously the prices fluctuated because it's low liquidity, but I think by and large they've like somewhat succeeded at like preventing. You know, obviously some people are going to dump, um, but that's a good thing. We need some liquidity on the market. But by and large, like a lot of the early investors have like locked. Yeah, I mean, really, that's the issue, right? Is that the the decreased liquidity uh, creates more volatility within the within the tokens, and so if you look at the charts of CRV and Frax, uh, which have been there the longest, you know they've had these like huge run ups, but also they've had huge rundowns as well too, and uh, in, in a short period of time, uh, and potentially that's attributable to the the VCRC, v, the VE systems. Uh, which lock up so much liquidity or so much of the token that people who do want to buy it in size are are limited in what they can do and they they may not get a good price or they get higher slippage uh, and not the best execution. So I mean look, there's trade-offs for everything, right? I, I think that the there's it when you when you're looking at tokens, there's not a perfect option and the market's kind of figured out that the VE system is is the 
preferred system across DeFi. Like we don't see other systems. We see variations on VE, but there's not a ton of other systems that have been successful. People just like this locking system. They like that uh, they don't mind, you know, swapping liquidity for uh, voting power. It it seems yeah. to be the the market market winner out of all of this. Yeah. One other thing that's worth mentioning is that uh, Prisma built in a uh, incentives, or if you want to call it bribes, uh, marketplace directly into their platform. So if you do choose to vote lock or VE lock your Prisma, then you can immediately like start selling it. Um, and the last round, there was not, I don't believe there was any like liquidity incentives for the last round, um, but they're going to kick off this week. So if you are considering what to do with your Prisma airdrop, you know, take a look at the bribe marketplace. Yeah. So coming back to Prisma, uh, it has been able to fare a little bit better when looking at the collateralization ratios, taking a look at the vaults, uh, or sorry, the, the redeem page, uh, the issues that were plaguing uh, liquidity beforehand don't seem to be plaguing Prisma at the moment. And this might be because they're having this token launch right now. And additionally, because they've been able to suck up so much liquidity in such a short amount of time, but their lower troves are, are about 150 CR uh, clarization ratio. And the average is 193. So liquidity seems to be uh, a little bit worse off in this situation. Additionally, one other thing I wanted to point out is that the Prisma team has, or sorry, the Prisma DAO has the ability to uh, make changes to the protocol. And so one thing that has been discussed and I believe has, has already been uh, proposed for the Prisma community is to raise the interest rates on their USD from 1% to 2%. Let me see if I can find that on Snapshot. Yeah, that one came uh, from our good friend Ivan, uh, who took some time off. He's supposed to be on hiatus, but instead is authoring contentious governance proposal forums. <laughs> it's um, So like, if you look at the 1% rate, uh, borrow rate that they, uh, Prisma is launching with, like you have to assume it's uh, intentionally a loss leader, right? Because you're talking about staking Ethereum tokens that are themselves worth uh, like natively earning 3% yield. Uh, you know, if you do the minimum collateral ratio on that, that is literally just pure profit. Um, so we saw early on after they raised their debt ceiling most recently, it kind of uh, like immediately got filled as Justin Sun swooped in and bought up like a hundred million uh, sorry, sorry, deposited like 100 million worth of W Steph collateral, I believe, and minted as much MKUSD as he could. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, loss leaders kind of work, uh, but who knows how long they're going to be willing to like keep losing money on the uh, on the on the borrow rates. But yeah, we'll see. So, taking a look at the vaults at the moment, there is currently did they. Yeah, so there's currently uh, 100 million MKUSD printed from Steph, uh, 36 minted from Areth, uh, 6.5 from Coinbase ETH, and 32 from StakeFrax ETH. Uh, so there is significant size if you want to come in and mint more MKUSD. Uh, the rewards have come down a little bit. In the first couple of days, they were in like the hundreds of percent, uh, but people have flooded in with liquidity and started borrowing a lot more. And these rates have come down, but they're still great. I mean, you know, full like you can come to Convex and get a, a fully boosted MKUSD Frax BP 
uh, for 31 percent or even down here if you want to pair it against ETH, it's it's 41 percent so uh, and that's all out in the prisma token which has these like first four weeks where they're highly incentivizing it and then uh, they taper off as the weeks go on yeah that's always like the nature of yield farming is the early high sky high yields don't last and as the kind of first depositors in the pool you're of course absorbing that extra risk of what if there's something wrong like what if there's a smart contract bug that in you know only gets um only soaks the first few people who try it out um but yeah i do feel like this is why i say like DeFi. it feels like DeFi summer's back a little bit right like there's more and more of these protocols that are willing to incentivize launches and if you're here and willing to play the game there's some really good yields uh that you can get so it's prisma this week who knows what it'll be next week but if you're willing to take the risk and hop between uh things not financial advice like um that can keep some people in DeFi. yeah so here's the incentive distribution schedule and make this a little bit bigger so from weeks one to four there's 2.25 million tokens not showing tokens. on screen if you're trying to show something uh oh it was right here all right so between weeks one and four there's 2.25 million tokens per week weeks five to 13 we have 1.2 percent of the remaining emission tokens per week and then it goes to one percent from weeks 14 to 26 27 to 39 is 0. 0.9 and then 0. 0.8 0. 0.7 0. 0.6 0. 0.5 and that's at the end of year three so the emissions will tail off over the next three years and then i don't know maybe we'll have another plan after that so yeah it'll be interesting to see where prisma goes they've you know so far made a lot of smart moves they've uh yeah when you're mentioning the kind of issues that liquidity was having earlier uh with lusd and collateralization uh, i asked them if they're just forked lusd if they're going to face the same issue uh they told me that they are working on some feature, the, some modules that they think will prevent that, uh, but that they're currently under audit, so they can't yet talk too publicly about it. But uh, we, it does look as if we'll have someone from Prisma on next week to discuss. So we'll uh, save all your questions for Prisma for them for then. Yeah, let's talk about the curve hack because recently, actually, I think it was yesterday or two days ago, the Curve team announced that they have uh, begun restitution for everyone that was affected by the curve pools at the end of July. And so they have this re repository that you can find on Garrett's uh, curve marketplace, or sorry, curve.stepsack.com, curve right? Or just um, go to the uh, curve GitHub if you're not checking that every day anyway. Uh, <laughs> it really should be. So what they have done is gone back and done some retroactive data analysis to see how much everybody uh, lost in the hack. And then also uh, they figured out how much the rewards would have been had they been in those pools for the entire time, uh, had they been LP. And these are rewards both from uh, CRV and is this trading rewards or is this just like the CRV rewards that they missed? Yeah, so so what, what's going on here is uh, they took everyone's LP balance. And of course the prices of the underlying tokens curve and ETH have shifted since then. So they rebalanced it. Um, so if you had just been sitting as an LP, they rebalanced it to the weights that you would have as of the snapshot cutoff, um, if you had just stayed as LP and in addition, you would have received kind of, uh, missed rewards from CRV. So that's what's in the final column. So, uh, basically it's almost as if you had just, uh, diamond hands the entire, like past three, four months since the hack in the well, curve ETH pool. Wow. That's great. It was great because I, I know I was in the uh, the curve curve chat, not the official, not the the unofficial curve chat, which is where a good one, 
the actual good one. And uh, people had been asking about a long time, and it's great to see that they've come out and have this full recovery plan. Yeah, as Amadeo, a friend of the show, says in comments, it's a clean solution from Curve. I have to agree. Like, I was one of the affected uh, LPs, um, but you know, I was just sitting there LPing, so I'm pretty comfy. I'm pretty happy with the solution. And this uh, rewards are going to be streamed to people over an interval uh, going forward. I think it's a year, but I'm not exactly sure what the final um, like actual interval is going to be. Nor am I sure where they're getting the funds to uh, to stream these rewards. Um, but basically, like if you were affected, you're going to for the next year have this kind of like constant stream of emissions coming in in the form of uh, Ethan Curve. It's if we actually do go to a bull market, that's going to be pretty nice because. It just means that all the people who are like affected by it are going to have some dry powder at their disposal, so they could you know sell off the curve and buy whatever meme coin gets hot over the next year. They could uh, you know, reinvest it. Uh, oh, the, there we go. John K says the curve is coming from the community fund. Nice, nice. So can we go back to DeFi Wars because I know we talked about it for a second, but what actually happened there? Yeah, it's just yeah the bear market is tough, right? Like we've seen good projects like suddenly collapse. We've seen a lot of people who are like building infrastructure, unable to support the like projects that they're building, um, you know, less money in the space, fewer builders. And DeFi Wars like is operated by this uh, fantastic person, uh, goes by the name of Craze, K-R-A-Y-Z. Uh, make sure to follow them on Twitter. They have basically been building this like amazing site that's tracking like a hundred different DeFi protocols and the various wars that have broken out amongst them. Uh, so you can see on the site here, like they're tracking all the liquid staking wars. They're tracking all the different token wars, uh, including like the different tokens and the pegs uh, and the history of the pegs of all the wrappers. So it's been a phenomenal resource, but they have just been doing this out of the goodness of their heart because they like the space. Um, but they have server costs. It takes a lot of time. And they announced like, look, it's not really like working out for us. So we're going to have to shut this down. Um, but within 24 hours, there's a huge outpouring of support from the community. I saw um, you know, C2TP made a donation of 10,000 CVX, which is worth about $30,000. Uh, so C2TP, real uh, angel there. Uh, we also saw, uh, I saw a post from Silo Finance, uh, Tencent, saying that ten, uh, Tencent, he was sending something over. Uh, and if you look at the uh, crazy like uh, wallet address, you can actually see like a bunch of users just like made like small donations. And so after 24 hours, you know, first it was we're, we're it's so over. Now it's we're so back. They uh, decided that we're going to keep the site going. You're uh, on mute, Sam. You're still on mute, but. I'm sure that you have some amazing things to say. Okay, I was going to say that's that's great to see that uh, the community banding together to to help out uh, Craze here. Hey, look at that! We're live on X. Leviathan News, Prisma Finance, oh, hey. drops the ECRV. Inception, we're inceptioning ourselves. Should we watch ourselves? No, we won't do that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you can watch on Twitter. Uh, we we figured out how to live stream every day on Twitter now uh, because we were having some issues with it, but it's all fixed. And everything is back on track. Um, another story that came out yesterday is that Kraken is floating, launching its own layer two network after seeing the success of Coinbase's base network. Uh, because Coinbase is probably making around, we, we can go check on sequencer fees. I'll pull that up. But uh, I know that Coinbase uh, 
has been making a lot of money on their their sequencers. Uh, and it's something that Kraken probably wants to offer to its users as well. Yeah, it's yeah, I've always been a big fan of Coinbase. Like I don't actually own any Coinbase stock, but if I were like making investments in TradFi, like it's a pretty good way of like uh investing in crypto slash DeFi uh through like you know regulated stock exchange. Again, not financial advice or you know, none of this is financial advice, talk to a registered financial advisor and all that. Um like, but like people have been saying for a long time, like in various like feeds I read, they're like, well, what's the difference between just like buying Coinbase and buying Goldman Sachs or buying like another big bank, right? Like, aren't all U.S. banks going to trade the same? Uh, but Coinbase is like really proven, super innovative. They've got their like uh, finger to the pulse of DeFi, and they're like building and launching solutions like the base chain, uh, which like are more like crypto solutions. So just, uh, you know, I'm not. I don't think it's like a surprise. I that we see Kraken is following suit. Uh, we might even well see like some of these other companies dabbling into crypto also like get it through their head that they launch their own L2. So like it wouldn't be the craziest thing to imagine like a PayPal uh, chain if PayPal USD takes off. Uh, someone pointed out earlier that PayPal did get a uh, notice from the SEC. Um, so that's of course the, the issue with doing this in the United States. Um, but you know, like around the world, I think we could, you know, why not a Paxos chain? Uh, we're going to see a lot of L2s going forward. It's, it's going to be like whack-a-mole. Which is crazy getting that SEC subpoena because PayPal is issuing through Paxos, which has been operating for some time and they're doing it through NYDFS, at the NYDFS, which is probably the strictest regulator in the entire country. So not really sure why they're getting it i think a lot of other people were were wondering this as well too because they can Be, i mean yeah. i think it comes down to that like they know yeah. that they'll settle probably and they'll make some money off it so it's probably net profitable um decision yes. for the sec uh the the real crazy thing people have been talking about is that like uh did you know that if you wanted to get a job at the sec and get paid uh probably worse wages than you would get uh working for any random uh crypto company you also have to divest all of your crypto portfolio that's kind of crazy. So like you kind of wonder why the SEC makes these like weird decisions. Um, and there's obviously some policy put in, uh, which said that like you, you have to like not hold crypto if you're going to like regulate crypto. Um, and it's kind of one of those moments where it's like the bad guys like are kind of shooting themselves in the foot, in my opinion, because they're not going to be capable of like properly regulating it. I think Alex uh, yesterday, didn't he bring up the analogy that it's like, it's like asking the Department of Transportation to like not drive a car or something. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, it's it's just an asset, right? And I don't really understand how holding something like Bitcoin, which is what most people have, is is an ethical issue when working at the SEC. Obviously, it must come from the top, right? Like these decisions wouldn't be made without like Gensler's or whoever this whomever's informing the Ethics Council about this. But yeah. it's oh, just an asset. Like, yeah, you know that you, like the administration is a very strong anti-crypto stance. So I'm sure that yeah. they like thought, hey, this is a good way to like, you know, use the power to kind of like, uh, like you know, push this kind of like anti-crypto like stance. Um, but then in my opinion, it's just kind of backfiring. So it's like a lot of unintended consequences remains undefeated. Yeah. So they've actually been having troubles. This came out in an article the other day. Uh, it says that the prohibition, according to SEC officials, has been detrimental to recruiting as candidates are often unwilling to divest their crypto assets to work for the SEC. And so they're hiring a bunch of no-coiners to come work at the SEC. And we know what no-coiners are like uh, that just simply are 
or against an asset for it, it simply existing. It's just used by scammers. And, yeah, uh, I mean, if this was uh, not a family-friendly show, I could say that basically they're tripping over their own member here. But unfortunately, to all the kids watching, uh, can't say that. Uh, you're muted yet again, Sam. Gosh, sorry, I'm I'm like coughing. I have this like cough. Uh, You've had a my... cough since we started Leviathan six months ago. I know, <laughs> but this one's this one's an actual sickness. My kid brought home some like nasty stuff, and so I'm like muting so I can cough because I have Ooh. a lot of. Yeah, I know. Uh, but I wanted to bring up this this post by HFA, HFA Research that's talking about the coin bull case. And essentially, I saw this the other day. I thought it was a really good thread, uh, essentially saying that Coinbase is down 80% from the highs. Uh, and you know they are the most retail-friendly exchange for US-based people, which is a huge market, probably the biggest market in the entire world. And so as we see the shutdown of many other exchanges. Coinbase is pretty much the only one left, them and Kraken. I can't, like, do you know any other major exchanges off the top of your head that are operating inside the United States? Binance US is pretty much gone. FTX US, FTX US is gone. Um, Gemini? Gemini is... Still active. Yeah. Does anybody use they Gemini? They don't do much, but they're still active. Yeah. And uh, okay, I believe... Okay, coin is shutting down as well too for U.S. customers, and so there's just like a general exodus outside the United States because of the difficulties in running a U.S. best U.S. based exchange. Um, but that's only because the volumes are down right now. People just aren't making money, and so the increased regulatory costs and legal fees that you have to do to run an exchange are, are prohibitive, prohibitively high. But once we start to enter a better market and people come back and start trading again, volumes will go up again. And so if we have another trend upwards, uh, we could see a lot more volumes. And that would be good for exchanges like base. So base is pretty much the only way to get exposure uh, to crypto markets for TradFi as well too. And you know, if you're if you're going to be a like new TradFi client. Let's say you're like a boomer who's like 60 or something. You'll probably go to Coinbase first because they have a long history. It's it's easy to on, uh, onboard your, your company's bank accounts or investment firm's bank accounts in there. And they have everything ready for you. Uh, and then additionally, they have USDC as well too, which is generating huge amounts of profits, $172 million from its stake in Circle so far. And that just goes back. And if, if rates are going to be higher for longer, that's that's really beneficial for Coinbase. Um, yeah. So Coinbase has also been expanding, right? So we have this picture here where, you know, they started with Coinbase.com, then they went through like custody, there's spot markets, derivatives. Uh, now they have uh, recently launched Earn and USDC, Coinbase Card, Coinbase Pay. Uh, and like most recently they've they've launched base coinbase cloud commerce like an nft site that i don't, I don't think anybody uses but uh you know oh like the wallet as a service so they're 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 constantly innovating and and really establishing themselves as an incumbent in the united states uh, and globally as well too uh and so if if we're looking at coinbase on the long term uh their profitabilities are slowly growing right um you can see here that the net revenue is increasing, even in, even in a bear market as well, too. 
uh, trading volumes for retail is going down, but they've really been able to uh, like leverage uh, institutionals uh, and they've been able to increase. So even though even though like trading volume is down for retail, they've been able to increase the amount of transaction revenue that they're taking uh, through raising fees on retail. Uh, and retail is yeah, the look, one that I don't need. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to remind anyone who's listening to this podcast uh, right now how tough it is to make it through the bear. Uh, mm -hmm. and I think it's like triply so for Wall Street companies because you know, Wall Street companies have quarterly earnings reports and you can't survive a one to two year long prolonged bear market and keep building and shipping stuff into it uh, like Coinbase has if you're like just tiptoeing in. Right. So all the kind of paper handed tourists are not going to be there. And we're going to see it again. There's going to be a bull run and people are going to see Coinbase's like valuation spike. And they're going to be like, oh, Coinbase is so lucky. And it's like, no, Coinbase is not lucky. They are going through the uh, high water right now. Welcome, DeFi Advisor. What's up, guys? Apologize. Didn't no, it's our, it's it's us. We're the ones who instituted daylight savings time. No, no, all good, all good. It's on me, on me. How's the same? Did, was Richard here? Uh, not, not just yet. We're still live. Ah, cool. And Sam is talking, but we can't hear him because he's got a cough. Uh, so Sam just, yeah, yeah. So it was that daylight savings time was actually pretty nice today. Uh, my kids woke up at the same time, but an hour earlier. They woke up at six, but uh, you know, just got to hang out for a bit. It was nice going. Wait, spring, falling back is better than springing for it, right? <laughs> Did you uh, mean to kick DeFi Advisor, by the way? No, he's just dropping out. It's his connection. Uh, I do want to continue. So uh, Coinbase also is going to get exposure to the Bitcoin ETF. There'll be the custody for BlackRock, uh, which could be one of the largest uh, depositors uh, and companies that acquire the most Bitcoin once they launch. So yeah, so there's a ton of stuff that's going into Coinbase right now. It's still sitting quite low uh, if there's anybody that's looking at it. And you know, it could if like if I'm thinking about a company that's 10 years down for the road, uh, Coinbase is probably the only US company that I can think of uh, that potentially will be here uh, in the next decade. Oh no, I think that you're giving US companies a little bit too little credit. Like there are some like I think Coca-Cola will still be here in 10 years. No, I'm talking about crypto companies though. Crypto companies, okay. Yeah. Um, what about FTX? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, there was reports today that FTX is uh, maybe going to be relaunched. So the Celsius winner proof group uh, has received tentative approval to go and relaunch FTX. So this was on Coindesk. Let me just get rid of that. Ad. So uh, Celsius, the this the people that bought Celsius proof group uh, are looking to bring back FTX. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and this uh, actually communicates with what I was telling you guys uh, early, uh, yesterday, I think that mm -hmm. uh, Sam is kind of being treated like the scapegoat uh, here in a way, uh, I think I'm not. And again, I'm not saying that he shouldn't be and he's not uh, a criminal. He is. But still, I think he's been uh, used by some other people who are not exactly very innocent. And, uh, you know, and the FTX does have a lot of infrastructure. And in a way, even if it's so uh, down, FTX kind of does have a network and uh, 
of even consumers that uh, there are a lot of people that you can still persuade to use FTX if it relaunches, right? Yeah, it's really unfortunate because FTX had bet one of the best like front end trading UIs yeah. on the entire market. It was better than everybody else. Like it, yeah. it just felt smooth. It was fast. Everything was very well engineered and thought out. And you know, the loss of that as a as a brand and a business, because you know, Sam is just like one. Like the business is not a person, especially for a company of that size. And I mean, if FTX relaunched and it had a brand new governance to your brand new executive team and uh, they were providing quarterly attestations and I, I don't know I mean if there was if there was like radical transparency in the FTX when it relaunches and yeah. I've got to by the way when I answered your question of course I was joking but uh, when you think about it yeah I won't be that surprised if FTX will, will exist and will even be uh, successful but would you use it and not, uh, not quickly, but I, honestly, I don't really use uh, its genre anyway, you know, like I don't really use uh, centralized exchanges. Uh, yeah. But uh, I'm sure that for some people, uh, it will still be relevant. Also, who knows if they actually relaunch, maybe they uh, do some twists on it and uh, they just, for example, maybe they, be, they make it more decentralized throughout the years or uh, whatever. Yeah. So obviously I can't uh, say for sure. But my natural inclination uh, will uh, probably be, uh, no, you know, I'd rather use uh, Curve and stuff. It's crazy to think that, like, if if Sam had just been able to keep his fraud going for, like, another year, uh, they probably could have sold this anthropic equity off for a couple of billion dollars, plugged the hole, and everything would have been fine. If they had, if they had just made it to the uh, the AI narrative, we probably would, never would have known about this. But instead, we got the failure of it, and everything got washed out. And here we are today. And this also makes me think about, uh, like, you know, uh, what didn't we uh, learn about? Like, wh what are the businesses that were actually close to uh, being, uh, you know, uh, exposed, but actually weren't? Maybe just uh, like you've uh, described uh, now. Uh, that could, yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Well, typically, typically, like if if a business starts to fail, like this bear market's been really hard, right? It's just investor capital's gone. Like if you're running a project and it's not super successful, uh, people just take money out, and there's been an aversion to the cryptocurrency space during this period. So, I think like if you if you have a non-functioning business or a fraudulent business, it's probably been found out by now because 18 months is a long time to go through in this type of market, uh, especially when your revenues get compressed by 80 to 90 percent. There's some uh, gems in the comments, by the way. Uh, thanks to all those commenting on YouTube. Uh, yeah. Amadeo Brands, uh, who should just hop on the show anytime uh, and you like, says, sexes are like toilets. Just do your business and get out. Yeah, I, I think people should it, people should understand that, right? Like self-custody should be the default if you're like young and understand things. Uh, we should probably do a tutorial one day on how to set up a safe multi-sig so that you could even strengthen things even more uh, so that like one random transaction isn't going to screw you over you'll have to make two transactions to screw yourself over <laughs> it's actually a good idea for a tutorial i know yeah it can be uh, really relevant uh, yeah some other uh, good comments clones cody says imagine dumping your btc to go work for gary from our uh, previous chat about gary gensler i know that's that's the real losing point right like 
the what are you going to get? Like the salaries of the SEC are not great. They, they, maybe they can get some Bitcoin uh, over the counter there. Uh, like you go maybe, work. Maybe they get some better deals in the SEC and buy their Bitcoin back. <laughs> I, I, hey, if you don't like the policy, people, today's election day. Go vote. Yeah, you're out. How many uh, of you even knew it was election day? It's an off year. It's an off year. What? Vote early and vote often. What, wait a minute. What, what election are you talking about? Yeah. Mostly like local uh, elections this year, but oh. still, those are the elections that matter. Like those are the elections that yeah, no, one really matter. no one turns out for. And yeah, yeah I, I firmly believe even if just like the people who listen to this podcast went out and started like asking their local representatives what they're doing for crypto, I think it could change things grassroots up overnight. I recently saw a video. I'm not even sure who it was. I think it was Elon Musk talking about uh, George Soros. I'm not sure, but uh, uh, he was referring to the fact that uh, actually the, the elections that you can earn the most from are the local elections. Because if you, uh, just, if you just rule what's being enforced, not even uh, what's being legislated, but if you uh, rule what's being enforced and stuff like that, then you get like the maximum value out of winning a specific uh, election. And here, actually, we also should have uh, had uh, the local elections uh, last week. But because of uh, the situation here, everything was delayed. Yeah. So let's just pull up. I just want to pull up the pay scales for SEC so we can take a look at them, right? Uh, because it's not great, right? So let's say you're an experienced attorney, right? You're probably a GS-14. Uh, I was just looking on LinkedIn. Um, you're probably somewhere making around 150k a year as a government employee, right? Uh, the the quality of lawyers that are pulled in by that, especially at the high end, is it's not great. Like you know, you come here to New York and you're working at a big high powered firm, like you can make multiples of that uh, working in a good agency. So you know, the type of people that go work for the SEC are either like really committed to working for the government and they like that kind of work, uh, or they're just not to the same qualifications that would get picked up at like a major firm that's that could pay a, a much higher price um there's benefits to working for the federal government job security is a big one like you know I, I guess that... i mean like if you work if you work for a really 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 big firm in new york or somewhere like that's job security right um mm, yeah even that's subject to layoffs like uh like you know, why from the SEC they can't lay you off for the SEC? No, it's your government employee. You're you're in a bureaucracy. It's very hard to fire you. Nice, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. pretty much. So like, yeah, like I mean, we lived through 2020 where like private businesses were forcibly shut down. Uh, the federal government, like a lot of people, did not miss paychecks. So it's 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 a good place to work if you got a family, right? Like, and you don't care. Dale, welcome. What's up, hey guys? What's oh, the up? Dale signal. Yeah, it's just a is this a call for you know uh, apply for a job or no no yeah, right. <laughs> you want to apply you want you want to become an sec applicant i think they make money uh, in, in a lot of different ways uh, i think they make money yeah. uh, you know if you work your ranks up like look at gary he's not poor huh? uh, it's like i think he has more yeah. than 30 million so yeah no i mean well but he worked in the private sector for oh, yeah, a long true. time you know before you became yeah, a professor. He's, he's, He's worth a lot. Uh, by the way, new Leviathan policy. If you're going to work for Leviathan, you have to divest of all fiat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, have to, you have to really focus on us. Uh, we pay everybody. We'll allow stable coins. We'll allow stable yeah, we, coins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, we, we pay everybody. Up to a certain percent. In, up to a certain percent. Not, uh, 
Uh, Not too pay... many stable coins. Sorry, Sam. Uh, at, at Leviathan, we pay everybody with tentacle tokens. So um, yeah, we we actually pay them with love for now. <laughs> yeah, we pay them with a lot of smiles, love, energy. So, Dio, what kind of uh, hot takes you got for us? Yeah, I don't think anybody should work for for uh, SEC, uh, and I think that most people that that work there. What's what is the motivation from Gary uh, to to like he has so much money? I I wonder what is his motivation. Does he really want to make the markets better, or is it something else? Like I always wonder, like why? He, I think he has more than eighty million dollars or something like that, right? So what yeah, what, what what is his motivation? Why is he driven? What what why does he does what he why you know when you hear him in MIT? I actually loved his lectures. His lectures were, were really good. And then he's now at the SEC and he's just completely changed. I really wonder what is this uh, power, power, it's right? Like, like, like anyone can, what's, what's, what's made a lot of money? Like you could keep making more money, but like their exclusive thing is like how high up the ranks can he climb? Like he's angling for treasury secretary yeah. or it was. Yeah, influence. And uh, in my opinion, you know, there, there are two types of people that go these places. The one who actually uh, really want to, uh, like, they really feel they're changing the world for the better. And I really think that's uh, what makes a lot of them uh, go to these places. And also, I think that the other side are those who actually want to use this power uh, consciously for, uh, like to use it for themselves and to uh, for corruption and uh, stuff like that. Now, I'm not saying that I know uh, which, which of them Gary is. I actually kind of do think that he's just uh, uh, very wrong about stuff. And I can't say that I know for sure that uh, he's corrupt or something like that. Definitely. I definitely do not. And I can't say that. I, I wouldn't say that. I would, I would just say that Gary's beholden to a, a boss who has specific policy directions and uh, Gary is appointed by that boss. And so, you know, it, while it remains a, uh, it's not an independent agency, it's not the Fed, you know, like the. True, true. I think, uh, I, I think we're, like, we're on the same page on this one. Yeah, if Biden, we're all if Biden, talking about Gary, and I don't think uh, Gary's talking about us. I certainly hope he's not no, he's talking not, about yeah, us right now. Of course. Yeah, yeah. I don't really care. It's more uh, Sam and uh, <laughs> carrots. Um, um, I got to shout out a condom uh, 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 comment from Clones Cody, which is probably the comment of the day. It says, "I keep it safe with a crypto condom." Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, you're, if you know, you know. <laughs> and big shout out to Crypto Condom for helping me out of a jam. My heart goes out to you, Crypto Condom. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of lawyers, we had a nice little infographic that came out yesterday, showing the amount of fees that has been taken by uh, lawyers in the course of all of these bankruptcies. So check this out. Uh, this is a nice little graphic. Close to $700 million in fees has been extracted by lawyers and firms in the course of these crypto bankruptcies. Notably from FTX, there was 317 million. Celsius had $176 million in fees. And those they aren't even complete yet. Like <laughs> it could be another couple of years before the FTX situation is resolved. Same goes for Celsius. Uh, and you can see all these other companies down here, like Voyager and BlockFi, also going through the bankruptcy process. So I wrote on Leviathan, uh, you should sell the picks and shovels for those that dig their own graves. Seems pretty profitable. 
Yeah, we've had little, you know Alex talking on the show so often. Who knew that he was like secretly like a billionaire? <laughs> well, we saw those rates. I mean, the, they're they're getting like first year out of law school, like first year law school, or sorry, first year in the associates. They're charging like over a thousand dollars an hour for that for this FTX case. That's crazy. I'm in the wrong business, guys. Um, you know. <laughs> I need to get with like how how can we charge a thousand dollars an hour for our services? <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna yeah, take us a while. Is, uh, you should think about fiat money. We need to, we need to create some economic flywheel with podcast time or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, we should become maybe we should become like uh, an uh, an attorney's uh, agency, but uh, only that only uses crypto. We can maybe connect some uh, customers to uh, also we're in crypto we're going to have a lot of uh, potential customers probably that's going to need a lawyer <laughs> very nice well let's wrap it up there we're at the top of the hour uh dio thanks for making the trip uh are you still in thailand no i'm in the netherlands right now i i, I i'm uh, flying to istanbul next week so i'm ah, visiting my parents quickly it's uh it's nice and at the dutch beach it's very stormy and windy so it's kind of cool yeah and are you going to the is def connect there next week def connect i'm gonna do a hackathon again and the restaking summit so Ooh, fun uh you know i'm gonna meet uh, everybody from eigenlayer etc i'm actually quite i'm getting very bullish on it and bearish on it it's it's gonna be a whole new thing i think it, it's not really clear yet like what's gonna be right like i think you had a podcast like a previous episode was more a little bit more about eigenlayer mm -hmm. um there's a lot of unknowns uh, but it looks like there's there's a lot of opportunity there. Uh, I'm very excited uh, on like you know decentralized compute infrastructure and things like that. So I'm very curious what that's all gonna bring us, especially like AI models. Like I'm I'm uh, knowing some some people that are running like pretty complex biology AI models, and they yeah they don't know where to run it because it's a bit you know sensitive data and like you know so it's like how do you do that? Maybe with Eigenlayer you could do that. So like I, I'm gonna explore a lot of these things and decentralized front ends with Eigenlayer are gonna be interesting. So let's see, like uh, exploring, hacking and uh, building in uh, Istanbul. So anybody that's there, just hit me up and uh, happy to to talk more. I hope uh, I'm I'm gonna dress as least Jewish as possible. So yeah, it's gonna be <laughs> interesting. Yeah, I, I, initially I wanted to go uh, a few months ago, but. Uh... I don't think I'm ever going to Turkey. Yeah, it's a bit dangerous right now. Uh, I also have a bit of a long nose, so like I don't know. But yeah, let's see. I'll be uh, uh, in Hyper Day remotely, so I'll see you remotely. Oh, nice! And there's also the Unstable Summit is there as well, so I'm looking forward to meet everybody there as well. So it's going to be super cool. Are you going, Kerke? No, you're virtually, virtually. Uh, but Dale, you're going to be our uh, beat reporter on the ground. So if you get the chance to hop on the live stream any day next week and uh, talk about it great to hear like the live updates yeah I can yes, for sure before we roll one quick follow-up from the comments we were asking about like uh which american uh centralized exchanges people like and rex has only good things to say about gemini so if you're looking shopping around gemini is a good one to look at coinbase yeah we uh we covered coinbase sam and i already uh got it sam's on mute though he's got a copy oh, yeah, no, I'm here. sorry uh well let's wrap it up there uh we are at the top of the hour. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We will be back tomorrow. Uh, I believe we have a couple of guests lined up this week, but nothing announced yet. So 
uh, tune in and uh, let us know how the Prisma airdrop goes. What did you guys get? Like, do you got 300 bucks? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I um, didn't farm the other rewards, though. It, it, it's a race for the bottom. But, uh, yeah. That's... What's the criteria, by the way? What's like uh, the minimum criteria to, to be eligible? You have to vote. You have to vote to ECRV on the. Yeah, the, the VECRV airdrop went live. It's if you voted using VECRV uh, for Prisma. And then the second one is going live in like in the next hour, if it's not already live. Um, and that's for people who are early users of Prisma. They had a whole mm -hmm. complicated point system for how you can earn people, airdrop points. And if people lock CRV through the different uh, services like the Union and stuff like that, uh, do you have an idea if they get uh, an airdrop? Yeah, so That's there's also going to be stuff for Yearn and StakeDAO also have uh, options yeah. to... Yeah, StakeDAO I know announced that if you have SDCRV, then you will uh, be eligible for the airdrop. Um, uh, don't think that's actually worked out exactly how it goes through yet. I've heard that CVX CRV holders are not eligible though, so... Yeah. Well, cool. Uh, everybody watching, just let us know how the airdrop went for you. Did you get more than $300 or less? Uh, enough to cover the transaction fees? No. <laughs> Depends uh, on the price uh, of Prisma, right? Exactly. Not exactly a loyal salary. Not exactly the loyal salary. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm going to go work for the FCC. <laughs> uh, otherwise, we will see everybody back tomorrow. Uh, and don't forget to follow and subscribe to Leviathan News on YouTube and Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. Uh, let us know in the comments. We're so close to the thousand followers we need on YouTube. Oh, yeah, yeah. Make sure to follow us. Um, and we'll see you tomorrow. Cool. Bye, folks.